What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. I uh, hope you're having a great day. Today, I was hoping to cover a question that uh, that's come up quite a few times in in our work with clients one-on-one, and one of you brought up the question specifically, so I wanted to make sure and uh, maybe dig into this a little bit more. Um, and the, the, the question was about tax loss harvesting and um, you know understanding that a little bit more and how it kind of works into your tax return and and uh, some of the specifics of how that works. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in a little bit today and cover that. So any of you guys that are either doing that or interested in it, I think this is this will be something to 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 check out and um, get a little bit of uh, hopefully get a little bit of knowledge on this. So we'll jump into that now. Okay. So so we're gonna talk about uh, like I said, we're gonna talk a little bit more specifically about tax loss harvesting. I'll start out with just a brief summary of what it is and why it's beneficial. And then we'll talk about like how it actually comes into play on your tax return because this is a, this is a tax strategy. So that's, that's a really good question. It's like, well, how does this actually affect my tax return? So we'll talk about that and um, any like limitations around that. Okay. So for starters, it's important to clarify like tax loss harvesting is only beneficial uh, for those of you that have like taxable assets and what I mean by that, that's like an account just in your name, an investment account in your name. You know, it could e- it could be like a brokerage account. You know, it could be it could be cryptocurrency. It could be like um, you know, baseball card. You could buy and sell baseball cards. That's technically a taxable asset. But uh, taxable asset is anything that's like invested, not in a tax sheltered account. So a tax sheltered account is like a Roth IRA, four hundred one k. 529, those kinds of things. So tax loss harvesting is only beneficial for for taxable assets, um, typically like a brokerage account, like a joint investment account. Sometimes it's called that, you know, like an investment account in your name or you and your spouse's name. So that so that's a, a important clarification. And preferably also to clarify, it's the best, the best tax strategy really that there is is to maximize tax sheltered vehicles first. So tax loss harvesting is great, but like I've seen on multiple occasions where people are looking into tax loss harvesting and maybe have taxable assets like I just talked about, but that haven't yet maximized those tax shelters. So oftentimes it's even you know, even more efficient to just go ahead and max out all your tax shelters or make sure that you're not missing out on any tax shelters uh, like work retirement plans or Roth IRAs or backdoor Roth IRAs, that kind of stuff. So we've talked about that a lot before in prior episodes, but just wanted to point that out today. So preferably you're using those tax shelters first. Um, But what often happens for you guys with higher income um, or good savers, you max out those tax shelters pretty quick. And then you end up, you know, your backup option is using taxable assets. So that's where tax loss harvesting comes into play. Okay. So like, so what is it? I'm going to give kind of throw out a 
pretty basic example just to make sure the concept is clear. So let's say uh, you buy um, an, a mutual fund or ETF, same thing. So let's, let's say you buy a Vanguard Total Stock Market mutual fund and you buy it for $100 or you buy $100 worth of it. And let's say the market like tanks and the value of it drops to $50. So now it's worth $50. And let's say you decide to sell it at 50 at that point in time so you sell it at 50 you've basically like booked a loss of $50 so that's really all a tax loss is is you've booked that loss but then the question is well what do we do with the $50 so you know most of the time you don't need the cash so we need to get it reinvested we don't want it just sitting around so you're the back end of the strategy is you're immediately buying a similar security so maybe you buy uh, the Vanguard 500 index with the proceeds from that sale, like immediately, uh, so that you're never really out of the market for long. And you've basically booked that $50 loss. And you're at the end of the day, you you still have a very similar investment as before, but you get that $50 tax loss. And um, as we'll talk about, it can come in handy. It can be beneficial for you to go ahead and take that tax loss. So essentially with the strategy is you're booking losses, you know, while still staying invested. Uh, so some of you might be thinking, okay, well, why didn't you just buy the same thing back? Like what's up with the buying something a little different? So there's a few rules. The main one you got to watch out for is it's called the wash sale rule. So there's a rule that you, an IRS guideline, you can't buy the exact same security back so like in this example, you can't just go buy back the same Vanguard total stock. Well, you can, but they disallow it. So in order to get the loss, you can't buy the exact same security back within 30 days. So if you want to keep your investments invested, which is typically a good idea, you have to buy something that's not the exact same thing and is, but is, you know, somewhat similar. Uh, so some people get hung up on this, um, Basically, like, just don't buy the exact same security. That's for sure don't buy the exact same security back if you want to do this. And I think a general rule of thumb, a good kind of safe way to play it is to buy, you know, something that is, um, like, slightly different, like a different uh, benchmark maybe. It tracks a different benchmark. That's always safe. But the, I, I don't I don't know of anyone that's ever been audited for this. I haven't heard of this being a concern of the IRS, um, I think it's only an issue when you um, are buying back that same exact security. And in that case, the brokerage firms will typically like flag it and disallow it. And so the IRS has a lot of stuff going on that, they, you know, they have bigger fish to fry. So this is, you know, I'm sure this is a pretty low priority for them. So as long as you're buying something, you know, that's not the exact same thing and, you know, relatively similar. That typically works. I think that's a fair approach. So you, at the end of the day, you get the tax loss and it can help you on your taxes. So why, so why is it beneficial? That, that's, that's, that's an important question. Now there's a few different potential benefits. So the first big benefit is that you can book like up to $3,000 a year of capital losses 
and offset them against ordinary income on your tax return. I'll talk about where where it comes through on the tax return in a second. But every year you can take up to negative up to three thousand dollars of capital losses, and then that's going to offset some of your normal income on your taxes. So this is uh, so normally ordinary income has a, a higher percentage tax rate than capital gains tax rates. So when we're talking about taxable assets, those fall under the capital gains tax rules. So normally, so your normal income falls under ordinary income tax rules. And so ordinary income taxes are typically higher percentage rate than capital gains tax rates. So if you can take a loss on something that's taxed normally, just throwing out an example at 20%, and you can use that loss to offset something that's normally taxed at 30%, that's a win. So by taking, you know, at least $3,000 of capital losses each year, it's a way to, um, you know, it's kind of like one of the few tax arbitrage uh, routes you can take. It's not a huge number, but it is definitely very beneficial for a lot of people. And it's worthwhile to kind of at least get that $3,000 a year. So that's the first benefit of tax loss harvesting. You can, you know, as long as you can harvest at least $3,000 a year, that's a great thing because you're, you know, able to offset it with something that's more heavily taxed than the asset that you're using to do it. So the second uh, big benefit of tax loss harvesting or potential benefit is by, so so the question that you might think about is, okay, well, what if I take more than 3000 And so what happens is, if you say you have $10,000 of tax losses, so you've harvested $10,000 throughout the year of tax losses, you're only able to take three against income. So seven is still left over of tax losses. So what happens is you can basically stockpile those or carry forward them is what they call it and use them in the future for uh, either to offset the 3000 per year that you at least want to do, which we just talked about, or to offset capital gains that you receive in the future. Um, so basically, you're, you know, the more you do this, you can kind of like defer or the more losses you take, you can kind of like defer the taxation on that taxable uh, investment account or asset. And so it's, it's just, it's a way to, um, you know, postpone ultimately getting taxes because inevitably, I mean, if you do eventually take the money out of the account yourself, there would be some tax implication. So by taking these losses, you can kind of like push that forward some. So this is especially a win if you're uh, in a higher tax bracket now than when you ultimately take it out. And it depends. It's It can get technical. Like it depends. There There is some scenarios where this is not quite as beneficial, especially when you're in a low bracket now and higher in the future. So, you know, this is not a benefit for everyone, but it can be a huge benefit. And for most higher income people that are, you know, likely in a high tax bracket now, it is, you know, typically a concrete benefit. So, the end effect of that is it just allows you to defer, further defer or postpone taxes on that tax, that normally taxed investment account when you ultimately take it, start to take it out. And so then the third big benefit of uh, 
tax loss harvesting. And this is probably or definitely the biggest benefit uh, if you go down either one of these paths. So it's extremely beneficial if you ultimately either give it away to like a nonprofit 501c3 or you pass away with with the account fully in your name. So in that case, it's extremely beneficial. So I'll, I'll talk through a scenario to, to explain the, this third benefit and, and why it's beneficial. Um, so going back to like Vanguard total stock market, we'll just use that, stick with that example. So let's say you bought uh, $50,000 of the Vanguard total stock market. And over the years of owning it, it has doubled. It's turned into $100,000. So you have $50,000 of, if you've done nothing, you have $50,000 of gains, unrealized or, or untaxed gains. Now, if you pass away with that Vanguard total stock market, what happens is your whoever your beneficiary is receives $100,000 and they get what's called a step up in basis. So that wipes off that unrealized taxable gain. In other words, if you were alive and had $100,000 of this Vanguard total stock market that had started at 50 and you sold it all, you'd have to pay tax on the $50,000 of gains. But if you, you know, because it has, it's grown and it has not been taxed yet. But if you pass away and give it, uh, give it uh, your heir that receives it, uh, they get the full 100 and they get the step up in basis, which basically means it's like they bought it for $100,000. So they have a zero taxable gain if they sold it all immediately. Or, you know, if they let it grow to 200, they have a $100,000 base. So that's a $100,000 gain. So it's really when you pass away with uh, taxable assets, that step up in basis is beneficial. So I'll talk about why tax loss harvesting amplifies this uh, in a second. But same sort of thing, though, happens when you give it to a 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization. You know, same example, if you give that 100000 away uh, to a 501c3, it's a zero tax situation for you, of course. And the organization that receives it gets a step up in basis essentially like they get they're they're not going to pay tax on any on receiving that at all either so in either of those two scenarios it's a way to like basically sweep that future tax liability off your balance sheet or your heirs or whomever and if you're going to do like for example if you're going to pass away with assets or if you already give money these sorts of things are you know great ways to do those things Man, it's great because you're able to, uh, you know, sweep that $50,000 unrealized or, you know, future tax obligation off, off the table. So back to tax loss harvesting, it's even better if you tax loss harvest. So let's say over the years, you've used this strategy of like selling things when they're lower and then buying some something back that's, you know, somewhat similar. So if you've been tax loss harvesting over the years, let's say you took 20000 in losses on that same Vanguard total stock market fund. Now, same sort of thing. You pass it on to your heirs or give it to a 501c3, either one of those. You basically are sweeping $70,000, so $50,000. So it's worth $100,000. You paid fifty dollars for it, but then you took losses of twenty. dollars So it's, it's the basis is what they call it. The basis of it is $30,000. 
and the value of it is $100,000. So if you're alive and you just sold it, you would be paying taxes on the $70,000. But if you give it away to a 501c3 or you pass away and they get the step up in basis, same thing happens. You're sweeping that $70,000 off your plate and it's a way to avoid that $70,000, a tax on that $70,000 gain. So in other words, like if you're going to give these types of things, well, first of all, it's very efficient if you're going to give to give this kind of security away. And if you're going to pass away with assets, this is an efficient asset to use to pass. And it's especially beneficial. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to give these kinds of things away or you're going to pass it to your heirs, it's especially beneficial if basically the more you can tax loss harvest, the better. Because you get to use those tax losses while you're alive. Like you can use it to offset some other investment that went up and sell it without paying tax or offset $3,000 a year on your tax return. So that's that's like a home run tax-wise. Uh, so for those of you that give some, especially the more you give, or for those of you that want to pass an inheritance, that makes the tax loss harvest thing. So the first two things I talked about, like um, taking that $3,000 loss a year, that's, that's kind of nice. It's, it's a little gravy on top. It's well worth it but it's not a home run. The second benefit of kind of deferring tax on that taxable account, that's pretty good. It can be really good depending on situation, especially the longer you do it. The third benefit we just talked about, that's a home run if it fits into your situation. Basically, you're wiping that big tax obligation off your plate and still getting the benefit of those tax losses You know, prior to that. So that that works very well. Okay, so how does it work on your taxes? So when you um, take these losses each year, so let's so say you've been tax loss harvesting and you need to go do your taxes or you're reviewing your tax return that your accountant put together for you. Where does it come through? So the answer is so if you look at your tax return, 1040 is the form. That's like the main form on your tax return that's like it's usually it's like the two-page form the um it's usually the first two pages of your tax return so if you look at the 1040 the line where this all happens is line seven so line seven is capital gain or loss and it says attached schedule d if required uh if not required check here so that's where it all comes through if you've been like rocking it out on tax loss harvesting that line's going to show negative three thousand well, if you've been rocking it out, tax loss everything, and you've not had some other gain that like wiped them all out, that line's going to show negative 3,000 because that's like the max. So I always like to, uh, I look when we were working with clients, like especially when we start working with them, it's extremely rare that I see like negative 3,000 on that line. Even when they have taxable accounts, it's just because not many people are doing this, uh, even like advisors. And so we'll see like 5,000 or zero or whatever all over the place. But when you see negative 3,000, that's a pretty good sign that that individual has been proactively doing tax loss harvesting. And so for my return, even for my own stuff, like my goal is for it to say negative 3,000 every year. And so that's where it all comes through on that line seven. 
Now, what happens is, so it says, it refers to Schedule D. So Schedule D is where you kind of like the details come through. So if you look at Schedule D, that's like where you'll see like all this spelled out, like how much of realized or uh, capital gains and how much realized capital losses and whether it was short term or long term. And then those get those offset. And then this final number is basically like the net of all the capital gains and losses. That's what comes through on that uh, section seven. So schedule D is where the details go. Section seven on the main page is where you're going to see like the final number. Now, if you're taking a lot of losses, sometimes what people will ask or wonder, like, how long does that, how long can I just keep stockpiling these things? And as of all of this I'm throwing out there would be good to talk to your accountant about because, well, first of all, because this stuff changes, but it's just, and it's all, I'm not, I'm not an accountant. This is my disclaimer section. <laughs> talk to your accountant, refer to them for tax advice. Um, this kind of stuff changes. It's also your circumstances are important to take in consideration. But as of now, under the current tax laws, all this, all, these tax losses are indefinite. Like you can stockpile as many as you want and defer them as long as you want. And, you know, that's how it works. So, which is nice. There is one big exception um, where this is not, this strategy is like, I would stay away from it. And it can almost be like, you should do the reverse. So if you're in a lower tax bracket, when you're in a low enough tax bracket, capital gains tax rates actually go to 0%. So in some cases, when your income is low enough, so like say you're in training and you happen to have a taxable investment account, in some somewhat rare cases, it's actually better to harvest gains on these kinds of accounts up to a certain level because it's like, well, shoot, if I'm going to get taxed 0% on the gain, then I'll take it. But this is a pretty rare. I've seen it several times before, but it's not the most common situation. And normally in that situation, when income is lower, it's going to be much better to max out tax shelters. And those are plenty. They will typically do the job on what you want to save. So, but if you, if you're in that situation where you happen to have a taxable investment account and you happen to have low income one year or multiple years, you know, it might be that it's actually better to, they call it tax gain harvest. So take those gains if you're up to the point there in the 0% tax rate. And, you know, that works out even better. So like I said before, anytime we're talking about tax, it's always good to talk to your advisor, your tax professional, because this all these things tie into your circumstances. You know, it's important to incorporate that. So. So that's tax loss harvesting. Um, I there's definitely um, a lot to it. Well, it's not. It's somewhat straightforward, but there's a lot of like concerns about the IRS. The part about like how, what they require. That wash sale rule is a little concerning for people. Like that's probably the number one concern we see with people is like, how do I avoid this wash sale thing? And so I don't. I don't think that should be a huge concern. I think the bigger thing is making sure you incorporate your situation and really understand the cost benefit of it. So for a lot of people, um, it might not be worth the headache to even mess with that. 
or a lot of people, you're better off just maxing out these tax shelters that are already available and don't even have to mess with this. Or other cases, like I said, maybe you need to tax cane harvest. So, but for the right situation, for a lot of you probably, like higher income, you already maxed everything out. It can work really well. And kudos to you if you've made it this far. It's good to educate yourself, especially on these basics of how this this kind of thing works. It's good to know how that works and it'll allow you to, you know, better navigate this particular strategy. So hope it's been beneficial and um, enjoy chatting with you as always. We'll look forward to talking next time. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.